2: Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's Wonder made possible. Learn more at Evernorth.com/slash Wonder.
0: Happy Friday. Welcome back to the Womed. Oh my God. Jack, I've like really, really missed Midwest Falls. And like Cleveland kind of feels a little bit like, oh, kind of like seattle There's been a ton of rain. But today was like the perfect fall day. It was clear blue skies. There was just like a little tinge of like crisp in the air. I walked down to the lake. I'm like, this is my neighborhood. This is my space. and, And I really was like sad. I really tried to recreate the pumpkin spice matcha that I had yesterday. And I just couldn't do it. I didn't even know it was a thing. I had
2: no idea that was a thing either. Where did you get? Like, I don't think I've ever seen that. A pumpkin spice matcha. Was it even good? It was delicious. The So after therapy,
0: I found this um, cute little coffee shop with amazing baked goods, too. I got this like pumpkin muffin with this little cream cheese drizzle on it, too. I was really feeling the, you know, basic white girl fall shit. But... Yeah, I was in there and I was like, is there anything like you have this like pumpkin spice iced thing with matcha, but like, can I have that hot? And they're like, yeah, it's just like the foam or or something. So yeah, they made me a hot matcha with pumpkin spice foam. And it was so good until I realized I did not ask for um, it to be like oat milk. It was definitely full on dairy. And I had like four
2: sips of it. And my stomach's like, Bleh. <laughs> But the taste was amazing. <laughs> that sounds so, so good. But th- you know, what's funny. I've actually, I think since I've been, we've, we've, I've been back and forth to Europe a few times. I'm very, very lucky to do that. But I've been back and forth to Europe a few times this past year. I have started to just embrace milk, like in my coffee. Not like, I'm not going over like really? drinking regular milk, like at home. But I mean, yeah, to me, I just felt like such a hypocrite because I love cheese. I love ice cream. I love cream. cheese.
0: I love and then, cream. like,
2: why am I being such a little bitch baby about <laughs> milk in my coffee? Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. And I just was like, this is getting out of hand. And then when I was in Europe, like, you you feel like a legitimate asshole asking for, like, any sort of latte. Unless you're at, like, a cute kind of different sort of cafe. If you just go to, like, a standard cafe, like you're going to look like such an asshole asking for oat milk <laughs> in your latte. So... I just started embracing it. I'm like, you know, whatever. I don't care. And now that I'm at home and I'm making myself my lattes at home, the regular milk just foams so much better than like milk and milk. So I'm, I'm like trying to not really care as much. So I'm surprised because you're, you're like a dairy girl. You like, I like your dairy cheese, too. But that milk was like,
0: I felt my stomach expanding. I was like, really? Yes. It was so uncomfortable. Okay. I was like, insta bloat. But, like, <laughs> really? man, I fucking, yeah. I fucking gnaw on a block of it. But, like,
2: <laughs> the milk in that I have nothing. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> I have nothing to tell you then. I have nothing to tell you. Maybe you just like the processed shitty cheese, I think. And that's why it just like goes. <laughs> this through. is not gas station cheese <laughs> already again. Um, I know. That is that right, that though. conversation is, is put to rest. We are we're never <laughs> we're going back to the gas station cheese. But this does make me so excited. I I I I'm not even ashamed to admit it that I am such. A basic bitch right now with fall. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so fall. I, I have my pumpkin candle going. I've immediately transitioned to my warm coffee. I have been p- playing Taylor Swift nonstop. I, it's still kind of warm here. It's been like 70, 80 degrees in Chicago, which is really... Way too warm for um uh, for like midwest of, summer of September, or, September. Or fall yeah yeah I yeah fall so I'm like and I just don't give a shit I'm like I don't care it's eighty degrees I'm wearing a crewneck sweatshirt like I, I don't care like I'm just gonna sweat and I'm just gonna pretend so I'm like fully embracing fall what else are, is there anything else that you've been looking forward to now that we're kind of heading into fall I want my jackets I
0: want my layers I want my turtlenecks I want my boots and I'm gonna have to buy snow boots because cleveland wilds out in the winter and i'm not used to yeah. this so yeah welcome back welcome back to the true new Midwest tires where, new tires uh, psa yeah. from like daddy Multby and myself to check your tires because if that little nubbin is starting to show in between the grooves you gotta get some new ones and i'm not about to p- play around with uh with the snow and my tires well so I'm let's get not some new ones. let's
2: not go let's that you're 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 jumping ahead to winter. I'm not even ready to have that conversation yet. I'm still <laughs> pretending that it is just like it is 50s and 60s, just perfect fall weather. We only get like, I literally think we only get like two weeks of this in Chicago, where it's actually perfect. And then it just yeah. gets shitty. So I am just ready to fully embrace it, which reminds me next week we are going to record an episode. I think we should, because mm-hmm. we did it last year. It was one of our favorite episodes to record, and also the fans loved it. Our listeners loved, love, love this episode where we talked all about fall and all of our favorite things, what we're looking forward to, <laughs> some of our favorite products that we're using for fall, for skincare, for makeup, for hair, like what kind of things that we're going to do to take care of ourselves. Do we have any travel plans coming up? Like just everything, our favorite things fall. What do you think? Should we do it again? I think we have to.
0: Yeah, done.
2: We're doing it again. Cause I could just sit here and talk all day about this new season. I just am so excited. I don't know what it is for me like fall just is such a exciting like it feels like such like a fresh start like I don't know if it's just about yes! like the going back to school aspect. I don't know what it is like it just feels like a, like a new year but more like the new year to me than actual new years. I don't know. It's weird. I
0: agree with that because a lot of people feel that way about spring and I feel like you do to a certain extent but there is something so different and magical about fall to me. And I feel like it's sad. I feel like it feels like more of a fresh start than spring does sometimes.
2: Well, if you love ball as much as we do, you're going to have to stay tuned for <laughs> next week when we just like totally dork out in our basicness about ball. But today we have Abby Donnelly on. She is a nurse past ICU RN. She's a RN union educator coordinator, also getting her master's in policy. She is the executive director of Impact in healthcare, which is an organization that came out of the pandemic as an interdisciplinary team to really start addressing issues that we're facing in healthcare from a policy and legislative standpoint, something that I think a lot of us have a hard time navigating this world and something that Impact is sharing so many great resources, so much helpful information. So We are so excited to have Abby on. We are going to jump in everything she's doing with impact, workplace violence, short staffing, all of those things. We will catch you on the other side of this episode.
0: Abby, welcome to the WOMED. We're so happy to have you. I feel like the last time we chatted, was it like pandemic times and we were doing Matcha Moments or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh it was a God. long something time. Like it feels like a lifetime ago. A lifetime ago. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so nice. Jack and I are so pumped. Um, we're going to get into the DC Triple a bit more at the end, but we just really wanted to use this to kind of introduce more of our uh, listeners to impact because I know a lot of us that are listening and tuning in are frustrated at the bedside we want to figure out ways to help and if you could just kind of give us like an overall like how did you decide to start impact and what is impact sure yeah um so first of all thank
1: you both so much for having me you know it's much appreciated your support um it means a lot and so impact is a nonprofit organization. It's healthcare worker-led. We're interdisciplinary. Um, We have some patients as well. It's a nonprofit for uh, reform in medicine, which includes uh, workers' rights, policy change, patient advocacy. And we do that using research, education, and direct action. So for example, we do a lot of education on workplace violence, Safe staffing, Medicare, uh, Medicaid reform, things like that. We are working on our first research project um, for next year on institutional betrayal. Yeah, I'm very excited about that.
2: Whoa, Whoa. institutional betrayal. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I've probably experienced it. Like, like,
1: yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, so it ties every issue that we talk about that needs reform in medicine. Can you can tie it back to institutional betrayal. For example, workplace violence, when you are hit by a patient, when you have been staying on your unit for many, many, you know, maybe years even, that this is unsafe, there's a potential for danger, they don't correct it, you eventually do get hurt at work, and then you report it. And then your manager says, well, what could you have done to prevent this? So you're You're first betrayed by being harmed, you know, by being physically assaulted. And then you are betrayed again by your institution, which doesn't didn't wasn't preventative, wasn't listening to you and then didn't even respond. Ooh, yeah.
2: Wow. Impact, obviously, you guys do so many things. But what has been sticking out to me out of the work that you've been doing recently is this topic of workplace violence. And I'm curious that you were, you know, we've all worked at the bedside. Abby, you were very recently in the ICU, working in the ICU. Is there anything that happened, if you're comfortable sharing, like any stories that have happened to you personally that have kind of, you know, also facilitated your work doing this? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I was pinned in a room one time by a patient. So we had concerns about this patient to begin with, just because of his history, some of the things that he had expressed about harming women in the past, but we also were told that he medically, he needed a one-on-one sitter. So the CNA was in the room a lot and she was being verbally assaulted. um, And he was sort of like intimidating her, like he was going to hurt her. So I was going in there a lot because I was actually scared for her safety And I realized very quickly when I went in there, one of the times he had actually gotten up, she, I had relieved her. I said, go, you know, go take a break because like he was verbally assaulting her. Um, And then I realized that my back was, I was facing the front, my face was facing the door um, and I was in the opposite end of the room and he got up out of bed and stood between me and the door. And he picked up a chair and he threw it at the window behind my head, um, and it bounced off. And he was like basically saying he was gonna kill me and rape me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, I've 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 been punched, I've been bit, I've been kicked, I've been spit at. I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> what about you all? I mean, have you? I first I have to say that I I've been in situations where I've had to be a sitter. Too for a grossly improper. Like if you're if this is like a man and you're having like a a a female in there to like sit with them, mm-hmm. you need to have like a male sitter. Mm-hmm. Like you need to have someone of like equal size that cannot be that they might not see as like intimidating because you are just putting or like
2: security, equal ability, yeah. equal strength,
0: yeah, equal ability, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. (laughs) I've had a lot of different experiences. Some have been patient and some have been my charge nurse, you know, even in trying to restrain patients as like a CNA and, you know, they get loose. It's like you've got multiple people working on this little old lady, man, they are freaking strong. Reached over, had like a full hand of my hair and starts like yanking me up like that. And the other nurse was like, nope, we are not going to do that. And like grabs hold of her hand and she released. But like I've also, oh, this charge nurse that I worked with, she grabbed me by the arm, like grabbed me and yanked me into a room and like started to like verbally assault me because, because I said it's okay I got this I'm I'm okay for like getting this like set up and it just was a very inappropriate response to a younger new nurse just trying to be like nope yep I ordered that I ordered that um incoming admission like I got it mm-hmm. and uh yeah she assaulted me and then continued anytime that ugh, anytime I was basically walked into a room like people would stop talking because she had like been spreading all these like rumors about me uh on the unit that's
1: lateral violence um and that's part mm-hmm. of like our workplace violence Someone, uh, yeah. yeah that's that's part of our campaign because it's not just patient assault it's uh, assault on each other too right and that's that's not okay what mm-hmm. happened to you
0: no she would just stand in the in the wind in the room and be like mm-hmm, like watching you drowned
2: yeah how absurd is it that, you know, we've worked as nurses, we entered this field, you know, for our own reasons of usually wanting to help other people. And we all have stories of being assaulted. Um, I for sure have been, like you said, little things like, I mean, <laughs> like I'm saying, it's a little thing being spit at is like a little thing, um, at your job. Uh, the worst experience, the worst one I had was I had a patient that, um, I was giving an injection, a heparin injection, and he went back and elbowed me, which resulted in a needle going through my finger and a needle stick injury with a patient that had um, communicable diseases in his blood, which was extremely um, scary. Anyway, we're not sharing these stories to like to fear anyone, especially if we have people in nursing school, you know, listening. But now working as faculty and, and teaching nursing students, it is something that I talk about all of the time is safety, just safety for yourself, how to take care of yourself in a in a place where there's so much violence, you know, and I know that there's so much information on your website. The Some of the statistics are just so alarming. Healthcare and social service workers, these industries are affected by far the most, being five times more likely to be injured at work. 80% of workplace violence overall in the U.S. is perpetuated against healthcare workers. 80%. So Abby, you are the expert. What the actual fuck is going on here? <laughs> Why is this happening?
1: Um there's a lot of reasons for it. Um I, I mean, just in general, we work with the public that puts us at a higher risk. We're we're working with and this is not to say that, you know, people with mental health needs are inherently violent. But if we're dealing with someone who is having a psychotic break, they come to the hospital. If we're dealing with somebody that has delirium, and, that, and that's not their fault. And that's where we go back to mm-hmm. institutional betrayal, because it's our job's responsibility to make sure that we're safe, knowing that we are dealing with people that might be scared and might fight us because they just don't know what's going on. So right. uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. There's also, um, you know, going uh, back to the facilities, there's a, like EDs, for example, are at a much higher risk. And that's because we have like increased wait times. Um, you know, we don't have fast track. We don't have safe staffing. Safe staffing is one of the best preventative measures for workplace violence. And, and there's a lot of evidence in our campaign is really about showing healthcare workers that Prevention is what works. Having, you know, the police department Mm -hmm. in your emergency room, the statistics do not support it, it doesn't make it safer. Um, You're just basically having a cop stand there and watch you get hit in the face, basically. And then and then you're entering your patient into the the carceral system, you know, prevention has been shown to work. And so, you know, that's a big part of our campaign is to show what actually works. So to, to your question, you know, why is this happening? There's a lot of reasons.
0: But my biggest thing is there's not enough prevention in
1: the hospitals.
0: It's, it's just so funny how everything kind of comes back to safe staffing and not having enough nurses, enough resources. And which ultimately goes back to money and healthcare systems not wanting to spend the money on more nurses or paying their nurses adequately. And it's just like, fuck, it's just so frustrating. And I just, I commend you for taking on, you know, this issue with impact because it's, it's a huge fucking issue. And I can imagine that that can feel fairly overwhelming at times. But like, how, what, What action steps, like how are we doing this? How are we going to make a difference for healthcare systems and like enact this change, like make this change? Like according to the law, you have to have so many nurses. You have to have this stuff in place to help keep us safe at work.
1: Personally, I think more healthcare workers need to start running for office. Um, I think they need to get much more involved in politics, uh, talking to their leaders. And frankly, holding them accountable and being very militant and being very fierce about that, and saying we're not going to vote you in. I don't care that you're, you know, uh, a Democrat and that you support some of my issues. Um, if you don't support healthcare workers, you're out. And we're and we're a big group. We can do that if we get together collectively. A- and we need to start supporting more healthcare workers. Cory Bush is a good example. Um, you know, mm-hmm. of healthcare workers who have gone into politics. Um, and we can actually talk to them about this stuff because the legislators just don't know. They don't understand. And they're being petitioned by these huge, huge mega lobbyists like the American Hospital Association, who are able to basically plant people in D.C. and talk to legislators every single day when healthcare workers are not given that same opportunity. So for me, it's about getting the voices there, getting them there consistently and getting the messaging cohesive among all of us. Because unfortunately, while these, these stories are terrible, and that's why I do this. That's why I I care about it. But when you're talking to someone who's never been in that environment, you have to talk facts and figures, you have to talk statistics, you have to talk because they don't always comprehend when you're saying like, you know, I I had a patient swing around and a needle went through my finger. They don't understand what that's like, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Which is so disappointing, but you're right. And I think like for me, when I hear you say all this, it's part of me is it's almost, it's frustrating because I think about, you know, how much education and how much expertise it takes us to be healthcare workers, just that. Just going to be a nurse in the ICU, going to be a NICU nurse, It takes so much time and education and part of our careers to even just get where we're at. And now once you get there, finally, you start to really see all of the flaws and you're like, wait, hold on a second. We need to backtrack here. How can I make this better? How can I fix this? I always tell people too, that it's unfortunately, like, I think people want to blame people in the hospital. They want to blame, oh, this doctor, oh, the nurses, oh, this and that. And when you work in these units and you see usually pretty solid systems in the hospital, like people working together, the actual providers, the actual healthcare providers, it's like there's such a disconnect with the upper level management of how decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. I am wondering if we can talk a little bit more about this this institutional betrayal. What else is going into this research paper that you guys are putting together and how does this what does this look like
1: so that uh you know i'm not our education and research team is actually working on that so miriam and anna um who do a lot of our education that you see on social media on the website they're actually going to be conducting their research from what i gather from meeting with them it's going to be about safe staffing workplace violence, um, you know, do, do you believe that your institution is doing enough prevention, for example, workplace violence, um, and and sort of, sort of gauging how everybody feels. And then also, um, asking questions about mental health and, and seeing if there's, you know, maybe a correlation between hospitals where folks actually do feel uh, like their institution is supporting them because there are some, I, I do hear like some people are like, actually you know, it took someone got stabbed, you know, but now we actually do have a really great workplace violence prevention program in our ED. Um, and so I, I think we're curious if there's a correlation between that and mental health.
2: To me, the more I like talk more to you and I look at your resources and I think about all of these issues that we're facing in the healthcare system to me so much of it comes back to that safe staffing it's Mm -hmm. like well if we had safe staffing then it probably would have it would it would have changed this if we had safe staffing this wouldn't happen if we had safe staffing there'd be less workplace violence there would be you know less burnout there would Mm -hmm. be uh less suicide rates among how you know hospital providers where do you stand with that? Like, do you see safe staffing or what other issues do you think are really kind of at the root of this?
1: Yeah, I think for, for me, at least, I think safe staffing is number one um, for me. And because I do think that that it impacts, like you're saying, it impacts many other issues that we're having. It, it affects mental health care it, um you know, healthcare care workers who who might need access to mental health care. It affects workplace violence. It, it is hard when we're talking about like healthcare reform, like policy reform, it, it might not affect that as much. But I, I think that's actually just more of a symptom in general, because the reason why we don't have safe staffing is because we have all of these pro-capitalist folks who have taken over healthcare, and they have commodified it for themselves. And, um and that's the reason why we don't have these things. So, I mean, I, I guess, we need an entire system change. Like, really, that's what we need. But for me, my one of my number one issues is definitely safe staffing.
0: So I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming trip to D.C. that Impact is hosting. And the Workplace Violence Prevention for Healthcare and Social Service Worker Act has gone through the House and is waiting on Senate approval? Or where, where are we at? No, so it actually had, uh,
1: it went through the house, um, but it, it died at the end of the year. So it had to be reintroduced. Um, so now it's, it's, it's still pending, basically. Um, it, it hasn't really moved yet. So that's sort of, um, one of the reasons why I wanted to personally, uh, go to DC so we could talk to lawmakers about the importance of prevention, especially when it comes to workplace violence, which this is part of this bill is is a preventative act. Um, there's actually two bills that are proposed reproposed this year for um, workplace violence. One is sponsored by the American Hospital Association. That one, it doesn't have a lot of teeth to it. it just basically is is to give, you know, I know the hospitals it, it's been introduced to basically give them money. Um, to fund a workplace violence prevention program. it's of you know impacts opinion that hospitals shouldn't have to be incentivized to offer something like safety. That's something that they should be required to do on their own. And the other thing it does is um, assign criminal punishment. To anyone who assaults a healthcare worker, which again, the statistics just show that that doesn't work to prevent people from being hit or punched or, you know, assaulted at work. So we're, we're, we're not going to be talking about, you know, which one we're for or against. Cause as a nonprofit, we do have to be careful to not dabble into the territory of lobbying, um, which this isn't a lobbying trip. It's a day of advocacy where the healthcare workers can go. They can speak about their own experiences. They can speak about the prevention, and the preventative measures, and these two bills, and just sort of give, you know, opinions on on what they think works and what doesn't.
0: Well, I'm pumped. <laughs> you
1: guys are going to get the training. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. I'm like, where's the manual? Because yes, I, I got one for you. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but you okay, all, good. like, seriously, Abby. I cannot thank you enough for breaking all of this down for us and our listeners, because I know so many people that, like we said, get into this job for, you know, the reason of helping people wanting to make the world a fucking better place, God forbid. And then you get into this system and you realize how broken it is. I'm so happy that, you know, out of the pandemic, Impact came to be and you offer so many resources. I want to end with one more question that I have for you. When are you running for office?
0: (laughs) Ooh, yeah. (laughs) When you can can we
1: help. (laughs) When you can be on my team. Yeah. When you're free. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will need you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you thought about it though? I'm curious. I mean, have you ever thought about it? We need more nurses in, you know, in legislation.
1: I I have thought about it. I was I was asked once. Uh, by someone who is, is trying to get more independence on the ballot. That's sort of their initiative of what they're doing. And if you commit to run as an independent, they'll help you with your campaign. I'm not nice enough, you guys. I'm not nice enough to go <laughs> with a bunch of people at a gala for to fundraise. I'm just not that person. I'll be like, uh-huh, okay. And they'll be like, we hate this girl. Like,
0: <laughs> So I don't think it's mine. I don't think it's for me. <laughs> I think you could do it. Yeah. And we would back you completely. But yeah, like I, that realness too, I feel like is really missing from politics. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I did some weird stuff in college. Who knows what would come out of the, uh, the woodwork.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is something that is going to have to change with the new political landscape because yeah. uh, we have... All these people coming up who grew up on Facebook and, like, posted every single dumb Everything. thing that they did at a college party. Yeah. Like, me. it's all there. So, same. <laughs> um,
1: politics um, can't hide
0: shit anymore. Politicians no, they can't. can't. So
1: Yeah, they can't. And, you know, I just want to say again, I know I said it at the beginning, but I just appreciate both of you so much. Jackie has done so much free work for impact frankly and like amazing beautiful work that people still love um and just like came to our our event in chicago and was yelling like the best of them at the american hospital association and it was just i
2: lost my voice I know. the next day i had a raspy ass voice it was amazing i know <laughs> yeah that was that was fun no was it fun. was great no that was really special you know abby and i were we've been fortunate i wish we would have said this in the beginning but we've been fortunate to both have started you know organizations like fresh out of the pandemic our Mm -hmm. organizations my riot healers and impact are like the same age and we kind of came up together with like these baby ideas and it's just so cool to see you know where both of us started and now here impact like you've, you've been able to take it full time. And you know, 2 mm-hmm. years ago, you guys were just literally a group of pissed <laughs> yeah. off healthcare workers and you're like, what do we do yeah. with this?
1: With no nonprofit experience at all. Just like, we're starting this cuz we're mad. And then we did and people are receptive yeah. to it. And we're still scrappy. We're still trying to fundraise. We're in our fundraising mode right now for sure if if anybody has any mm-hmm. experience in that, uh, we could we could use some help, but we've got some <laughs> wonderful people who are helping us. We're very lucky.
0: I, I think it'd be kind of fun for, you know, people who aren't going to be in DC with us to just what we're going to talk about a little bit more, but to have like a little bit more of like a plan, like what are we going to be doing in DC? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. So we actually, there's a
1: lot of impact members who wanted to come to DC and they couldn't. So we actually have all of the resources that the team that's going to be in D.C. are receiving um, like a fact sheet, uh, just sort of breaking down how to speak to your representative, how to make a meeting. Um, all of those resources are going to be available on our web website, um, impactandhealthcare.org. And uh, you can set up actually a local meeting. You don't have to go to D.C. if you can't. You can set up a local meeting and you can do exactly what we're doing um, locally at, on your own time. And we really encourage people to do that because it's not just you know, the 35 people that are going, it's everybody at impact. We want everybody's voice heard. So when we're at DC, the healthcare workers are going to have, um, not only like the resources that we are providing, also our workplace violence booklet. So we collected over a hundred stories of, um, healthcare workers being assaulted at work. Um, And we turned it into a book and it actually has um, all of our education and facts and figures too. So we're going to be giving those to legislators.
0: We will include all of the information to do that too in the
2: show notes. Again, Abby, we cannot wait to see you in DC. We can't wait for all of our listeners to hear this episode, but also to follow along with us as we go to DC. And we're definitely going to put out another episode about the entire trip to DC. So Again, thank you just from the bottom of our hearts for everything that you do for healthcare and just a huge shout out to Impact. We love you all so much. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you both
2: so much.
0: Jack, I cannot wait to get to DC to meet Abby in person, to meet everyone else from Impact in person. This is just, like, filling my cup and, like, energizing me. Like, I can feel it tingling through my, like, toes and my fingers. This is reigniting me. D feels back. And we're going to fucking make some change in DC. D is in DC. <laughs> I was just going to say, D takes DC. <laughs> D takes
2: clean. D takes DC. Exactly. I love it. No, you are absolutely <laughs> right. Abby and the rest of the team at Impact are doing so many things for healthcare workers to actually make a change at the grassroots level and now all the way up to freaking going to DC. Be sure to find Abby on Instagram and TikTok. She's at the nocturnal nurse at so the nocturnal nurse on Instagram and TikTok. You can also follow along Impact at impact in healthcare on Instagram and impact in healthcare.com. So if you cannot attend with us in D.C., which by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be about in a week, 10 days or so. So one, be sure to follow us along at the WOMED and on our personal accounts. We will be sharing all of the updates on what's happening in D.C. But if you are super bummed that you can't attend Impact Advocacy Day in D.C., head to impactinhealthcare.com where you can schedule a meeting with your representative in your home district instead. They have all of the links to do just that. They have a link to one find your representative, which I know sounds really overwhelming and confusing. They make it so easy, two, way easier than they I give thought. You it would be. A, right, like so <laughs> scary, but they literally it's just like it's like two clicks. There you go. You can once you find your representative, call your representative's office or complete their online scheduling tool to request a meeting. Then hopefully meet with the representative. Feel free to utilize all of Impact's incredible fact sheets again on their website these fact sheets are literally everything and then hopefully once you get that all done follow up after the meeting either via email or phone call thanking them for their time and reiterating the topics that you discussed again you guys i cannot say this enough impact has so many great resources their instagram shares so many so many helpful tips tips about talking to representatives fact sheets on workplace violence and safe staffing Be sure to follow along. We are so grateful to have Abby on this episode.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us every week. Every like, share, review of the podcast really helps us to get in more ear holes, which is what we want to do to help facilitate more change, especially in healthcare and to support our nursing community and our healthcare community. So we're going to quit rambling. Jack and I are going to be back next week with all of our favorite fall things. We love you so much. WOMED out.